there, bookies! This is Anastasia Nightingale, and welcome back to the Bookish Creation Podcast. Today we're going to have a writer's tips episode, talking about blurb writing. Now, I've seen a lot of authors expressing frustrations with the topic of writing blurbs on social media lately, and I thought maybe making an episode dedicated to the subject of blurb writing might be a little helpful. Now, as with anything to do with creating or designing, there really aren't many hard and fast rules that go along with the process, so please don't expect to walk away from listening to this episode an expert. The goal is to possibly bring some new ways of thinking about blurb writing to the table, so if you walk away with some new clarity on the subject, or some of the ideas and methods we are going to talk about resonate with you and help you find some ease in writing your next blurb, I'd say this was a success. Let's start with talking about what a blurb is. I know, I know, we're likely all authors and readers here, we know what a blurb is, but just stay with me, I promise this is going to help. The blurb is found on either the back cover or the inside cover of a book and gives the reader an idea of what the book is about, right? Well, yeah, but let's throw that idea out the window and never think of it again. Now, the reason why I say this is because when we say, what's the book about? Flip it around and read the blurb out loud. We are actually creating a little bit of a confusion when it comes to writing a blurb, which causes a break in the one and only hard and fast rule of blurb writing that I know of. We're causing a confusion between blurbs and summaries. At least, this is my opinion. Blurbs shouldn't give a summary of what the book is about. They entice the reader to dive in. They are the bait in which you are trying to lure your readers to become hooked on your work. Think of it like this. A summary is much more detailed and in-depth than a blurb should ever be. It's something you'd find creatively done in a review or more commonly done in short-form book reports. Think back to those school days when your teacher would assign you to read a fiction book at home, give you that little book report paper in which you'd need to summarize what the book was about. The goal of that paper with the summarizing of the book was to make sure you actually read the book, not just the blurb. And then, make sure that you didn't just quickly skim the rest. The key thought there that you need to keep in mind is, the whole point was to make sure you actually read the whole book, so the blurb on the back wouldn't have sufficed to put into that summary. You do not want to turn your blurb into a long-form summary, or even a short-form summary. This is the biggest most common mistake I see authors make, and it will sadly, every time, lose you potential readers. It also causes that one rule I was talking about that I know of in blurb writing to get broken. And that rule is, blurbs need to be short. I have seen blurbs be so long they fill three pages. I've seen them quickly tell readers everything that happens in the book. I've seen them give spoilers without intending to, and all of this 
seems to revolve around that confusion of thinking that a blurb's job is to tell readers what happens in the book. That is not a blurb's job. The blurb's job is to entice readers to find out what happens in the book. Make sense? Now, if you're thinking, well, none of those things that you just mentioned sound particularly bad, especially if you've seen it before, I assure you they are bad. And just because I've seen it done doesn't mean it didn't hurt the author that accidentally did it. One, most all readers do not want to read long-form blurbs. Think about it like this. Most people's brains are hardwired to look at something that they don't actually have to invest time into doing and quickly make a calculation of whether or not that person wants to invest time into it or not just based on the first glance appearance. If you're talking about a book that you know nothing about, you don't know the author, and maybe a friend said, hey, you might like this author, and that person picks up the book, turns it around, or scrolls down to the description, and finds the description to be three pages long, the most likely thing that they're going to do is say, nope, put the book down and walk away because most people don't want to dedicate that kind of time into reading a blurb that they may not even be interested in in the first place. Now, granted, there are some readers who don't mind long-form blurbs, but those few readers who don't mind long-form blurbs also don't mind short-form blurbs. You're much better off to write the short-form blurb that the readers who don't mind long-form blurbs will still enjoy and also be able to catch all the readers who only like short-form blurbs. The second problem with the things that I mentioned is giving too much away may cause the reader to feel like they have already learned all the things that they need to know and they don't need to invest time or money into a story that they can guess the middle and lead-ups to. I say may because there are a small handful of readers, including loyal readers, who will still enjoy reading the lead-ups and the middle parts that they can still guess. But the goal is to grab as many readers as you possibly can with your blurb. So if you're turning a lot of people away because they don't want to invest that time or money into a book that they don't feel like they can be surprised by and fully immerse themselves in, you've lost a lot when it comes to potential readership. The last reason why you want to be careful of those pitfalls is there's a lot more readers out there who are going to mind spoilers than there are who aren't. And this does include loyal readers. Accidentally revealing spoilers can make even the most loyal of readers want to pass up on that book. So being careful not to accidentally include spoilers can immensely increase your readership. Bottom line, you never want your readers to think, I already know what's going to happen, and then put your book down. Now, if any of you are feeling a little intimidated or nervous by the way we have now redefined blurbs and what they are supposed to do, please don't be worried. 
after you get used to the idea of blurbs being there to entice, not summarize, it becomes a lot easier and more comfortable to write your blurbs. And while I can't give you all the perfect way to avoid accidentally doing these things that we mentioned, there are a few guidelines I know of that some authors find immensely helpful in order to avoid them. One way I know of to do this is pulling the book out of the e-reader. Living in a digital world is incredible, but it makes it easy to forget where things come from sometimes. So pulling them back to their physical counterparts can be really helpful. And in all honesty, to an author who mainly works with ebooks, it's so much more empowering to do this method and help remind yourself that this is a book. It is actually a book. And being able to see that and work with that mindset can be so incredibly empowering. So this actually has a couple of benefits. So the thing that this is doing is helping you to remember that your blurb should be able to fit on the back of a mass market paperback book with room for a quote or two from other authors, the ISBN and price, and the margins around the sides. Those quotes usually are only a sentence or two long. They're really super short, but they should still be able to fit in there. Also keep in mind, the font that the blurb is written in should be the same size as the font that the book itself is written in. Don't make it smaller so you can fit more in there. Keeping in mind that this is still a book and your blurb should be able to fit on the most commonly sold physical form of said book can really be helpful in making sure you keep your blurb short while still getting the things you need in there and will usually ensure that you don't put in too many details and fall into those pitholes. Now another trick is to print your blurb and hand it to someone you know and trust who knows your work but has not read the book yet. All of these points are important about this person. They should know nothing about the book. You shouldn't have gushed about it to them. You shouldn't have frustratedly called them at midnight about it to them. You shouldn't have been texting about it to them. They should know nothing but the blurb that you just handed them. That's really important. Now, ask them to read it and tell you what they can guess happens based off what they read alone. If they can't guess anything without digging for more information and saying, well, what happens with this? And when does this occur? And what's going on here? You probably got it. You're probably good. But if they can hit the nail on the head on any point besides the main genre thing, such as, well, they get together at the end. Well, yeah, they get together at the end. It's a romance. Of course they get together at the end. That's kind of a given. But if they can figure out what happens with your main obstacle or the specific struggle that the couple is facing or any other points that are specific to your book... You probably added too many details and gave something away. 
What you want to do then is ask them what in the blurb told them that. Never be afraid to ask this person the who's, the what's, the where's, the why's. Saying, okay, so what told you that the hero killed the crocodile in the swamp with a 12 gauge at the very end of the book? What gave that away? Does not say anything about your writing. Blurb writing is difficult. So asking them what in the blurb gave something away doesn't say anything negative about you as an author. All it's going to do is help you to develop stronger blurb writing skills and know what exactly about that particular way of writing the blurb gave something away for your book styles. The other thing I'd like to say about this particular method and this particular question revolving around blurbs is please do not ask your readership on social media this particular question. I say this for a couple reasons. One, it casts too wide of a net that may have you second-guessing yourself and really just doesn't help your blurb writing grow. The other more important reason is if you accidentally gave something away or if a very intuitive reader picked up on something that others didn't and mentioned it in the comments, thereby accidentally revealing a spoiler in the book, you could have potentially just lost readers for your book. That aspect that we were talking about before, about readers not liking spoilers and spoilers being able to turn even the most loyal readers away from reading your book does happen. And by casting that wide net out to your readership to ask this particular question about blurbs can inadvertently lose you some readers if you wind up accidentally revealing some kind of spoiler on that social media post. So please make sure that you only ask one person that you know and trust that knows your writing and knows nothing about this book. It's very important for this method. Now, if this person says, what the heck is going on? I don't get this at all and now I have a headache. You added too much mystery in your blurb. You need to give a little bit more clarity for them to not be feeling completely confused. And again, you can ask them what parts in particular confused you. A final trick I know some authors do is a checklist method. Write your blurb, make sure it's short enough, then on a separate sheet of paper or Word document, write out all the important plot points, character points, character developments, what happens in the story, anything that you feel is really immensely important to either the character development or the story development, or the obstacle development. And then read through your blurb and check off each point that appears in the blurb. If you have reached over half of that paper being checked off, you most likely gave too much away. <laughs> you need to have enough element of mystery in your blurb to entice the readers rather than making it that summary. And if you want, please don't feel like you have to only use one of these methods. You can use a few of them. You can use all of them. You can use all of them and then some more that you know 
that other authors do or add in your own tricks. Anything that resonates with you that you feel will help, add it in to your writing routine and see if it helps you make a difference when it comes to your blurb writing. Now, before we go further, I want to be fully honest and say that I am not well enough informed on writing anything outside the romance genre to give examples on anything besides romance when it comes to writing blurbs. (laughs) So from here on out, this is all going to sound like I am emphasizing just romance when it comes to writing blurbs. However, if you are a writer from any other genre, you will probably be able to take what I'm saying and work it into your genre as well. As to the how to write the blurb itself, there are several different styles and different approaches you can come at this from. However, if there is one thing and only one thing you take away from this episode, besides the whole a blurb is not a long summary, (laughs) please don't ever let someone tell you that your blurb must be done in this certain style, in this certain way, and must hit these certain points, and you must say X, Y, Z. The blurb and what style you go with is as up to you and your story as the book is itself. It's your blurb. They can be frustrating, but have fun with it. Now, for any blurb, you do want to have a little something about the main obstacle being faced, and your main characters. So for romance, the hero and heroine, or the two heroes, or the two heroines, whichever way you're going with that particular romance. This should be something that is either extremely important to their character in a way that it also adds to the story, or is something that adds in a side obstacle that complicates the main obstacle the couple is facing. If you're wanting to go with the option that adds more information about their personality and is still important to the story, what you want to think about are details that will somehow tie into the story in some way without actually pushing forward with that main obstacle. So something that ties to the story is important, but doesn't actually drive things forward for the overall arching obstacle that they're facing. So, something like this. When the head of the Teal Cartel found a 10-year-old Ben robbing convenience stores and getting into brawls on the streets, he didn't see a punk kid. He saw a child filled with potential in need and took him in as his own. Now, 15 years later, Ben has risen to the top and is in the process of taking over for his adopted father. Ben is loyal to the family, but has sworn off love. But the sexy new baker pushes his resolve to keep innocent people out of his world past its limits. Inheriting the bakery her grandfather taught her how to bake in has helped Jen get through more than her fair share of hard times. Even the gorgeous, intimidating man who comes in for coffee every morning can't shake her core in these sweet walls. But when her violent ex catches up, her little sanctuary may not be enough to hide her away. So please know that I made this blurb up on the fly, and it doesn't pertain to any book that's been written. It's somewhat going towards a book that is going to be in process for me in the future. But you're not going to find a book like this on the market 
the book is not even going to have those names in it. In fact, Teal Cartel came because the cup in front of me is colored teal. So, <clears throat> please forgive the raw names. <laughs> Anyways, this bakery that I was referring to in the blurb then turns out to be the backdrop of several scenes is how the hero meets her and is why she moved back. It has a few flashback moments that happen in it. The hero may even use it in some way to impress her. However, the bakery itself has nothing to do with the trouble the heroine is in, nor does it add any complications to their relationships or her situation. This is a small additive to the story that is important to her. It gives some needed background information, sets some feeling in the world, However, it doesn't add to the obstacle she's facing or the one their relationship faces. In other words, it doesn't drive or push the overall arching obstacle or the genre complication. Now, if you want to add details into the characters that add to the obstacle that they're facing, you can approach it in this way. Think about what exactly happens that's specific to that character that complicates the main obstacle. This may sound strange, but if it has you stuck, try this. Write down the main obstacle first, then think about how that character's specific difficulty complicated it, how that character's specific issue made the obstacle that much harder to solve. If we go back to the previous blurb I used and tweak it, we can do this. By condensing the bit about the bakery to focus just on her moving back because of it, then adding in a detail about a crippling fear regarding guns, you've added a new complication about her character that also adds to the obstacle at hand with her ex and her new situation with Ben. So the new blurb would read something like this. The part about Ben would stay the same, but the part about Jen would change to something along the lines of this. After inheriting her grandfather's bakery, Jen moves back to Sunshine Falls. The quiet life of small town living begins to heal the crippling fear of guns her ex caused. But when her ex finds her again, Jen may need to run to the one man more versed in her fears than anyone else. This fear of guns then adds the complications to the main obstacle with her reacting to even just the thought of them, or having flashbacks of them at the most dangerous moments, such as her freezing and not being able to move when her ex bursts in, or when she thinks he might show up. It also adds some complications to her relationship with Ben, given what he does and who he is. In other words, this little additive about Jen's personality has now added a complication that helps push the main obstacle forward and pushes the complication of the genre itself forward. A final style I know about adding details to a blurb is adding it in three stages. A little bit about the characters and something that pushes the story forward that pertains to that character only in their own paragraphs. 
and then a third paragraph looking at the outside obstacle. You can do this with any story, but it's most often found when the main obstacle that they face is unforeseen, meaning it's something neither character was expecting to have happen, aka they didn't bring the danger or obstacle into the world of the other character. Now again, I've seen several authors use this three-stage blurb style in books where one or the other character knew that trouble was on their tail and dragged it into the relationship with them or dragged it into the other character's life. You just need to be careful when that happens to make sure that you're not putting too much focus on one or the other character. So if one character is dragging the danger in with them and you're going to be talking about that character in the paragraph that is about the obstacle, make sure that you make the paragraph about that character a little bit shorter. So for example, on an unforeseen event type blurb, two characters that are at a beach vacation and they met each other while they're on vacation and they're having a great time and then a vampire pops up out of the sand who for some odd reason likes the hot tropical weather and is now chasing after them. That would be a completely unforeseen event. Another example would be for a book that is in a larger series or a larger world where the characters know that the danger does exist, but neither knew that it was actually around them or that they were walking into it. So when you're doing your blurb, you can write it in any point of view you'd like. The most common one would be the third person point of view. Now, if your book is not in third person, it will be a little jarring to the reader to see the blurb in third person and not the story in third person. However, this does not mean you can't still write your blurb in third person if you really want to. My suggestion, if you want to write your blurb in a different point of view than what your book is written in, is to add a little note to the end, almost like a trigger warning, that the book is written in a different point of view. So, something like this. This is a first-person point of view dark romance that may be triggering for some readers. Reader discretion is advised. Or if it's not a dark romance and there's no trigger warnings in the book, this is a first-person romance with happily ever after guaranteed. Just something like that, so that way the readers are aware of the fact before they dive in that the point of view in the book is different than the point of view on the blurb. The third person point of view keeps the blurb in a voice that's much more easily molded to sound either like a storyteller mode where the narrator is more in a passive voice and telling the audience what happened or can still act in what I like to call the driver mode. It's often called God mode, but I feel a lot more comfortable calling it driver mode, <laughs> which is like when the narrator is experiencing everything at the same time as the reader. So it's much more of an active voice where they're going along the story at the same time. Third person is common for any romance book, but always needs to focus on both main characters with equal zest. 
If only one character has the spotlight, it can throw off the feeling of a true romance and the true passion that happens between the characters. So make sure that both of the characters are getting an equal amount of spotlight. And if you're going to do that three stages detailing, and one of the characters is going to appear more in the details about the obstacle, make sure that you're evening that out so you're still getting that feeling of true romance and passion between them. Another popular point of view is first person. This is a bit harder of a blurb type to write, but it can be so much fun. In this case, one or often both of your main characters talk directly to the readers in story mode. However, it's much more of a present active voice than a third-person storyteller mode. In this case, you want to think about excitement, passion, emotion, fear, anything that your characters are feeling, it has to come through the page, or in this case, the cover. Your characters are telling people a short version of what happened to them. It must, it must have emotion in the voice to make an impact. This is a common choice point of view for dark romances and romance stories that dive into any kind of uncomfortable territory. Because of all the raw edges of these types of stories, letting your characters grip the reader with their exposed, raw, real emotions right from the get-go can be a real reader winner. In first person, the Focus can be more centered on just the character giving the blurb if only one is doing so, or if one has the emotion of fear, then the focus can be more centered on the one that does not have that emotion of fear. Since this one does really ride on emotions, it's okay to be one-sided. It's okay to be selfish, so long as the correct kind of emotion and passion is still getting through the page of your book, it'll be okay to let them be a little selfish. There is one last trick I know a couple authors use when they sit down to write their blurbs. I saved this one to the end for a reason. This one may not work well for a lot of authors, and I do not recommend you try it if you think it will throw off your writing game. But some authors find it helpful to write their blurbs before writing the book itself. This winds up becoming another form of plot writing or brainstorming. Getting the idea of your story formed in your mind, then writing the blurb for it can somewhat be helpful, but please keep in mind that the blurb is not written in stone. Stories tend to take on a life of their own, and it's actually something that is a really good thing to happen when you're writing. For you to be writing down your story, thinking it's going one way, and your characters say, uh-uh, that's not how it happened, it happened like this, and it completely changes. That's a good thing. And I don't want an already written blurb to throw that off. So just please keep in mind, it's not written in stone. The blurb itself can change. But if you feel like writing it before you start writing your book may be a little bit helpful and maybe even it will help you with plotting and brainstorming, by all means, give it a shot. 
I know a few authors who actually do find this helpful. A few other notes I'd like to mention before we wrap this up is your blurb should show your primary genre and main secondary genre. In other words, I should easily be able to tell if your book is a romance and whether it's a paranormal romance, dark romance, or historical romance from the blurb. Main secondary genre is easily done by bringing the elements of that that lovers of that genre will recognize when writing your character details, and in some cases, it'll be easy to add it into the obstacle details as well. I have seen some people say, never use the overused catch theme such as, you'll have to read blank to find out. Don't listen to them. Please don't listen to them. Yes, that can make some readers roll their eyes. Yes, technically, it is an overused catchphrase. Why is an overused catchphrase? Not because it's actually any longer overused, it's just older. But it's not a game changer in my opinion. Just because a reader might go, oh, okay, or roll their eyes for a quick hot second doesn't mean they're going to put down the book just because you used a little catchphrase in it. If it feels right to add those things into your blurb, it's your blurb. Add it. And I know a lot of readers that love those catchphrases, so please don't listen to the people who say you can never, ever, ever use cliches in your blurbs. It's your blurb. Do what you want to do. I will say this, though. Do not under any circumstances compare your book to another author's book in a blurb. I've actually seen this be done. <laughs> this can anger the author, the publisher, <laughs> and it will it will anger readers. Not all readers, but I guarantee you some readers, either your readers or that other author's readers, will be put off by that comparison. Your book is a unique star. It burns bright on its own without any need to stand next to another. Another little note I'd like to add in is it's best not to use complex words in your blurb. When readers need to look things up just from the blurb, they have a higher chance of putting the book down. That is unless you're writing a textbook or if you're writing for a niche audience. But nine times out of ten, the point is to get as many new readers as possible. So making sure that you're not causing the readers to have to go and look up a word right off the bat is a lot better of an option than adding in those complex words to show a level of intelligence. It's nice to have those complex words and you may feel like it shows the intelligence level of one of the characters, but keep in mind there's a lot of readers out there that aren't going to like looking up a word just from reading a blurb. So, to wrap things up and give you a quick little list at the end of what we've gone over, the blurb is an enticer. Don't turn your blurb into a summary. Make sure your blurb is short enough to fit on the back of a mass market paperback book. Make sure you don't give everything away. Ask someone who you trust and who knows nothing about the book if they can guess anything about your story based only on the blurb. Don't give away spoilers. Make sure your characters have the proper amount of spotlight time based on the style you choose to go with. 
Don't let people tell you you can't use overused catchphrases. Don't compare your book to another author's. Make sure the primary genre and main secondary genre are clear in the blurb. Know that this is your blurb, just as much as it's your book. Have fun with it. Try new things. And most importantly, don't give up. I think that's going to do it for today. If you have any other tips or suggestions or hints, please add them to the comment section of the blog post that this podcast episode will be featured on. For all those listening on Apple, Google, or any other podcast platform, I add a link to my blog post for each episode into the description. Or you can head on over to my blog at bookishcreation.com and search for podcasts to see a complete list of all the episodes I have to offer. The cover art for the Bookish Creation podcast was done by The Artsy Reader. The Artsy Reader is a fantastic book blogger. You can check her out and all of her fun reviews at theartsyreader.com. If you want more bookish romance fun, head on over to my blog at bookishcreation.com and check out the fun posts, reviews, and book features I have over there. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode of Writer's Tips and that you got some new ideas and insights into blurb writing and that hopefully it helped you feel a little less intimidated by writing your next blurb. I hope that you all are having a fantastic morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and that this chapter in your life is as fantastic as the last book you read. I'll talk to you all next time. Bye!